Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 116 of Game Store Profits, a podcast where two guys sit down and talk about games and God and how great these things work together. My name is Mike. And my name is Jeff. And we're, we're, this is literally our last episode of the year, our last episode of 2015. Yeah, crazy stuff. I feel like I just joined the podcast and now it's the end of the year. Well, it's it's been a crazy, what, six months or so since that happened. Yeah, it's been a great six months. I've been having a lot of fun helping out here and doing this podcast and doing the other work on the ministry. It's just been, it's been great. Well, it as funny as it is right now, as we're recording this beforehand, obviously, but when this podcast goes live, we are literally days away from Christmas. Uh, Jeff, just throwing it out there, is there any game that you hope that you're going to get on Christmas? <laughs> It's on my Christmas wish list. Yeah, just just uh, one. I mean, I, we all have long lists of things that we'd love to see, but just just one. <laughs> I'll I'll go out on a huge limb and say Star Wars Armada. Oh, it's such a beautiful game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers: You may hear about Star Wars Armada later on in this podcast. Yeah. Spoiler alert! And and we are we are only a couple day or we're one day away from the actual release of the new movie, so you're not going to hear any spoilers from us right now. Yeah, it's physically so, impossible. We have a, a no spoiler policy, but it's really easy for us not to spoil anything because it's physically not accessible yet. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, so this is a a new frontier for me as well for. Uh, for doing kind of like a year-end special, a year-end extravaganza. That, that's right. We've been doing this for a while, but this is literally the first time you've been part of the GSP. Like, I, we haven't really ever named it. We just kind of call it the like awards or whatever. We just kind of talk about our favorite games of the year. But this is this is your first time doing that. Yeah, totally. So I'm I'm really excited about it. I mean, just simply because. I was able to kind of comb through and find different games that I haven't necessarily played, but would be severely interested in playing just hearing from the reviews and seeing how they're played, like, you know, watching a YouTube video or something of it. And I, w- I remember sending you a few emails saying, uh, Mike, Mike, I-, I haven't played this many games. How do I find <laughs> favorites? And I was like so pleased and relieved to find out that I didn't necessarily have to have had played the games, but totally look forward to those games yeah we'll we'll break down as we go you know category by category which ones involve games that we actually have played slash owned versus just looking out at the vast gaming landscape and just us interacting with that but uh yeah no we we don't necessarily have to have even played let alone own some of these games i i know for me i tried very hard to limit myself to the games i've played slash own because there have been a ton of just absolutely amazing games and limiting myself that way actually made it easier to make my choices yeah no that's true and you know what i i say that and then i look at my list and i realize well you know what other than let's see here two games i've played all the rest so i guess i'm okay so yeah, you're probably going to hear us talk about games that might not be on your list, and really, that's great. We actually love to hear the variety of games. I love the fact that, you know, while there are podcasts out there, like, I, I love listening to the guys at uh, Heavy Cardboard who do the really, really crazy, intense games that I never get a chance to see to the, at my table just because 
my gamers tend to favor light and occasionally I convince them to go to a medium weight game. Those guys go hardcore. You know, it's, it's awesome to have those real specialized ones, but we kind of run around at everything. So if you guys are listening to our lists and say, man, they're not even kind of addressing the games that I really enjoy, uh, go to either our Facebook group, the tavern or our brand new board game geek guild. Uh, there's a thread that I started now, granted I started it kind of leading up to this so people can suggest, but you can still comment on that thread even now that the episode has been recorded and posted and you can just kind of throw out your, your various selections for these categories. They're all listed there. And uh, we'd love to hear about what you guys are playing, what you guys enjoy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's just me and Mike here talking to each other about some of the games we like. I mean, it's great to hear from you guys. You know, I like uh, I, I like checking out the uh, the board game geek group. You know, along with the tavern and a few other groups out on Facebook, and just kind of seeing some of the games that have come across the bow. And it's it's nice to see the diversity out there, like especially when you were talking about those, like what they do over at Heavy Cardboard, you know, things like Fire on the Lake or something. I mean, some super intense, long-term games. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and we could go for ages on other people that you can listen to. We'll mention a little bit of it, but there's just Man. so much good stuff. You know, as as much as I'm saying the games this year have been amazing. The amount of real solid gaming stuff that's going on in the industry, uh, as far as even just games media, not even including all the designers and the amazing stuff that's going on and the new mechanics that we're starting to see, but even just the stuff going on in, in games media, like so many people are, are going out on their own and doing really, really impressive work, just commenting on games and providing materials for other people. It, it's a really good year all around. Yeah. I mean, anything from stuff like, you know, Attack on uh, Attack of the Titan and then uh, Attack on Titan, um, uh, the different RPG games that have been coming out, they're not so much, I mean, they're purely asymmetrical in some of these instances where it's just coming at you at different angles and uh, just really surprising you with some of the mechanics that come out. Um, and I think it's just because there's so many games out there, you really got to you got to fight to be unique, and I think this year really showed that. It showed that there's a lot of folks out there that can do some unique stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, we've been talking around this stuff long enough. Yeah, let's dive in. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, especially because we will have some honorable mentions thrown in here or there. Other things that we just absolutely loved but didn't quite hit that top spot. Right. So, Jeff, I think let's start with you just because this is your first time at the rodeo. The the first category that we usually bring out is favorite game played. Now, like we said, this is not necessarily a game that is in our collections, but it's a game that whether somebody else had it or we played it at a convention or something, uh, that we played it and no matter how many times it was, it, it had this lasting impact. It was a, just a really fun experience. So yeah. what was yours, Jeff? Well, I'll throw out there Dead of Winter. That one I had a blast playing with uh, Daniel Fisher um, over the uh, tabletop simulator, but also playing at uh, another gaming group as well. Um, you know, it really kind of tickles at my inner survivalist slash psychologist, uh, just because you're it, it's it's another plat hat game, and we'll talk more about them later, but. 
the idea of um, you know it's just after the apocalypse zombies have you know risen and you are holed up in this tiny little place and the way they have this game framed is fantastic to kind of induce that feeling of okay what do i do next i gotta get this supply oh i gotta clean out the trash oh, i gotta get out to the store and get some more gasoline right you know whatever the case is it's super awesome and then the the twist in there is that uh, while it is primarily cooperative you're also under the threat of a potential trader in your midst who's just out for themselves and trying to survive and that's not in every single game so you could go a couple of games and not have a trader in your midst, but the thought that they could be there constantly has you on edge. And if you really just kind of immerse yourself in the tone, oh man, it's it's really good stuff. Yeah, Dead of Winter was, I, I think it was Luke's game of the year when it came out last year. I think so. It was it was one of us that definitely said Dead of Winter is game of the year material, and it was. That was it, that won a bunch of stuff from a lot of different places. Uh, sadly, I still have yet to play it, but oh, oh my goodness, I, I am definitely looking forward to see what else they're going to do with the Crossroads cards and the, the Crossroads system. I'm still holding out hope that, uh, Isaac Vega, he hinted at kind of doing a, a rework of City of Remnants, and he said that maybe if he ever did that, it might involve Crossroads cards, and if that was the case, I, I will buy that tomorrow, even though it's not going to be ready for years, I will, yeah. <laughs> That system. They'll do the Kickstarter for the Kickstarter. No, I, I will, I will, <laughs> I will drive to Isaac's place and and do what I can to make that a thing, because I City of Remnants, <laughs> uh, not to give away my top ten, which by the way, if you've been watching my top ten videos, it's because of scheduling stuff. It's probably going to go into January, but I hope you guys have been enjoying those. City of Remnants is my number two. It was my number one and only got recently replaced. So. The idea of seeing that with the kind of crossroads cards element that came out with Dead of Winter, man, yeah. I would oh, I would love it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Super good stuff. Now, I I have an honorable mention, but I want to turn the reins over to you because I want to hear what your favorite game is. Let, let's do the honorable mentions after we we say our choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Isaac Vega, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite game played has to go to Ashes: Rise of the Phoenixborn. Ah, oh, so good. There is something about... Like, I'm a big sucker for a dueling card game. Uh, I play a bunch of them. I wish I could play more of them. I wish I could get more people around here to play them with me. But uh, the thing I love about Ashes is that combination of card playing and dice rolling. And the just the balance of figuring out what to do when and when to attack and when to hold back. There's a lot of stuff in a game that actually plays out pretty quickly once you know what you're doing, if, especially if it's just two people who really know what they're doing. It plays mm -hmm. out really quickly. Uh, I am a huge fan of this game. I love the just straight out of the box, ready to play aspect of it. They are coming out with new Phoenixborn decks in the very near future, and I will tr I will be trying very hard to stay within the family budget. By not getting them, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be rough, because I really enjoy this game. <laughs> that's that's the risk of putting a good game together, is that they wait and they see, you know, are people biting on it? Do they like it? And then they start getting into the, the further development of the game, which in the case of Ashes is just great, because, I mean, the game itself has such a playability or replayability, you know, picking different characters, going with different strategies, and then your opponents can shift, and it could be... 
it's a tif- it's a totally different dynamic between a three player game or a two player game um and then when you get into you know four or more or whatever i mean it just it's gets insane but yeah it has a lot of dynamic quality to what you can do with the game it's so good yeah all right <laughs> you, you said you had an honorable mention i'll be brief because we we already kind of deal with this game ad nauseum but uh victoriana as a role playing game system um, is definitely up there as far as one of my favorite games played this year. Not just because of the awesome experience of doing it as an En-ROADS plays actual play, but just from the standpoint of the rule system itself, it like really tickles at the inner alternate history buff in me. Well, and also because you're a big fan from way back of Shadowrun, and the joke is yeah. that Victoriana is steampunk Shadowrun. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, you know, from a person who read, you know, Man in the High Castle before it became Man in the High Castle on TV or Years of Rice and Salt, you know, just describing, like, the multiple changes that can occur in history. You know, what if this happened or what if that happened? I mean, you can date this back to my love of uh, Marvel Comics What If series. You know, when they, you know, like, what happens if Spider-Man had cosmic powers or you know, all this other stuff? Oh, you, you really want to talk? I mean, it's DC, but <laughs> Red Sun. There you go. When, you know, what if, what if, uh, Superman ended up landing in, you know, Soviet Russia? Yep. Yep. There you go. So, yeah, that totally, and, and the idea that I'm going to be getting the, uh, Americana book from, Mm -hmm. uh, Cubicle 7 here pretty soon. Yeah. That's, uh, definitely worth an honorable mention. (laughs) My honorable mention actually is another plaid hat game. No. I, I know. Shocking. (laughs) <laughs> it is it's specter ops uh specter ops came out the very beginning of this year uh i still played a bunch it is one of my most requested games to bring out to game days it's a game where in case you don't know because it came out the, be- the beginning of this year you might not have remembered me talking about it specter ops is basically a uh one versus many game you are basically uh, playing as an agent, trying to sneak into this industrial complex and kind of steal or... Well, they don't really specify what the missions are, but you have to just go in and do certain objectives and then sneak out before they, the agents have got a chance to hunt you down. I absolutely love this game. I love the, the hidden movement games just to begin with. A, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of those. And to team that up with kind of a, a cyberpunk amazing theme and cool units and all the neat little gadgets it's it's a really really fun game literally it would it would have been up there at number one if ashes didn't exist so it's a really really solid game yeah definitely is definitely is and hearing the report from uh from tavern con and and uh your other exploits it's yeah totally solidifies that opinion tavern con is what really made it the most requested game that I that I have lately. That and King of Tokyo are yeah. fighting for most requested game right now. King of Tokyo. I have yet to play that. I can't wait oh, to play Oh, it's so game. good. Alright. Okay. So favorite game added to your collection. This game this category does actually involve games that we currently own. Uh obviously it's kind of stated in the title. So Jeff, as a guy who literally just started getting his collection together I'll I'll go with my very first game because it's still kind of like a favorite because it's one that my wife enjoys and that it's just a quick pick up and play game. Um, I'm gonna go with Sushi Go, just because not just because I love sushi but because the actual game itself is a lot of fun. 
you know, it's a combination card thing where you're 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 working against opponents to try and make the best combination of, you know, sushi or nigiri or whatever combo you want to put together, you know, build up your points and ultimately win that round. But uh, the cool aspect of it is that you get dealt a certain hand of cards. You go through, you figure out which combo you want to lay down first. Whatever's left in your hand, you pass to the next person, and that person passes to the other person around the table. Um, it works with two people. It's a very fast game to play when it's just two people, but it's a it's a hoot nanny when it comes to more you know three or more people when you're around the table. Um, but uh, it's you know it's portable. It comes with a little tiny box. You got like two decks, and that's about it. Um, it's friendly. You know, you look at the pictures, and it's like, how can you get in an argument across the table with such cute pictures on the cards? Um, but it's totally attainable. That's the big thing, is that the rules are very simple. Um, it's a quick add, uh, point by, or a point add-up system. That's it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, since first buying it to right now, it's still one of my favorite games. It's a solid little title. I hadn't picked it up for a while. I, I think I actually got it this year as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I picked it up at like a Barnes & Noble or something as a, a kind of impulse buy as I was walking through. I go, oh man, I keep hearing about this. You know, and the other thing too is that you told me about how it's a great portable game for like if you're doing overseas stuff. Because remember oh, we yeah. talked about what would be a good game to bring along on a missions trip. That was one of the big impetuses for buying that game. And I'm totally glad. Oh I yeah, I mean other than the rules, which you can speak the rules, yeah, it's totally. literally fairly language independent. As long as you mm-hmm. point out, like, this means this many points, it's just it's just pictures. So, your turn, my friend. Mine is directly related to the fact that I finally discovered my wife's gaming genre of choice. It yeah. is the fact that I, I discovered that she needed to have games where she had her little board, and no one can touch her board, and she's just doing her thing. Uh, there's a couple of this, and we'll get to the other one when I do the honorable mention, but Castles of Burgundy uh, has become her new favorite game. She actually actively looks to play Castles of Burgundy, which normally she kind of humors me when she knows that it's been a while <laughs> since I've played anything. She kind of says, all right, fine, what do you want to play? Uh, she will actively request playing Castles of Burgundy and has even done so when I wasn't the one looking to play a game. It's actually her idea. So, I am incredibly psyched to do that. Castles of Burgundy, you are basically building up your kind of little area of this city. And you're, you're, it involves rolling dice and using those dice to kind of take different positions uh, from the main board. You're either gathering up new tiles, you're actually placing those tiles on your board. Uh, there's lots of different things that you're doing based on the two dice that you get to roll every turn. And the thing I like about it is it does have that luck aspect, because if you roll the dice, you, you have to work with what you rolled. But at the same point, it does what Eurogames does so well, in the fact that when there is luck, and there really isn't a whole lot of luck in any kind of Euro, but on those odd chances when there is some kind of luck, it it's mitigated. You can do certain things in these games to kind of change what the dice say. And so... In this game, you use worker tiles that you can... One of the things you can do is get more workers, and those workers can either add one or subtract one to the die total so that if you really needed that one thing, you can get it. So this, like I said, this scratches my wife's itch when it comes to gaming. She really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's given me 
insight. Getting this one game has given me insight into how to get games that will engage my wife in the future. So I can't be anything other than super excited about that. It's kind of interesting. We both picked games that uh, connected well with our wives. Well, yeah, because, I mean, (laughs) granted, I don't think in either of our cases our wives would be considered gamers, but it's right. important to us, and so you obviously want to share that with the person that you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have an honorable mention for this one? You know, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play it a lot, but um, Forbidden Island nice. is, is was a good first round. You know, we've tried one round of it so far, and it's, it was pretty fun. But no, I'll, I'll stick with Sushi Go. How about you? Uh, mine, it's a similar thing to Castles of Burgundy, which is why it, it got the honorable mention and didn't get the actual selection. Uh, mostly it got honorable mention because you can play like up to four people. And if you're playing with four people, then it gets a little bit more in your face kind of competition-y. And so Suze right. doesn't, she basically, when she wants to play it, she plays it with just me and her. So it's just, it, so there's not as much stepping on each other's toes. Uh, it's a game called Viceroy. It came out from the guys at Mayday Games and, uh, yeah, no, it's a solid game where you're recruiting, you are bidding and recruiting to get people into a little pyramid, and it's it's a virtual point salad, because you are basically, you get points for certain guys, depending on what row on the pyramid you get certain things, there are, like, like colored circles on each card, and when you put the pieces together, put the cards together, they make a full circle, and right. if you get a circle that's all one color that gives you more points. There's just a ton of ways to build an engine that leads to victory. And it's a fun game and Suze loves it. So that's just win. Nice. All right. So the next one we have is favorite game publisher. Now this basically is not based on any one game necessarily, but just the amount of stuff and the quality of the stuff that a a publisher has put out which causes us to take note. So, Jeff, who's yours? Well, I mean, I can I can blame you. We talked about this before the, the podcast started, but I can blame you for this pick. But at the same time, I can also blame them just because of the quality of stuff they put out. Um, so I'll, I'm going to go with Plaid Hat, because I know you had that one last year. And I'm going to, I'll just, uh, spoilers, uh, it, it's my honorable mention. <laughs> like, they didn't, I didn't yeah. put them at number one this year, but it was only because of how much I loved the other one that I picked. This one was a very, very close run, and I am a Plat Hat fanboy. There's a good chance that Plat Hat's in the running every year we do this. Right. But yeah, no, they had a solid year. Yeah, they did. Um, As seen by the fact that both my favorite game played and my favorite, uh, my honorable mention for favorite game played are both Plat Hat games. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's right. And and you know what it's it's also kind of like me getting caught up into the world of board gaming and finding you know okay well where's because it, it's kind of a lot like when you're finding like your favorite type of music you know you 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 find a certain type of music and you're like okay you know what I totally like this kind of like dark moody jazz so I think I may go with like you know a little bit of Chet Baker I may go with a little bit of this and that and it just kind of brings that in and so like when I was looking at games that I enjoyed and the types of gameplay the types you know the mechanics that sort of stuff you know plat hat stuck out because of games like you know you guys talked about this one before mice and mystics Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea that they also branch out and said oh you know what 
we could make a successful strategy game out of this with tail feathers and involve, you know, <laughs> multiple planes of action. And then, you know, Specter Ops obviously is a big one. And then, of course, Dead of Winter. I mean, that's that's just the, the icing on the cake for how much fun I had playing that game. And it's all the stuff they have out, um, you know, that they're planning on doing and the success that they've had with the stuff they've already done. It's hard not to pick them. Yeah, no. Plaid Hat is on a roll lately. Um, The only reason I didn't pick Plaid Hat is because I picked this other particular uh, company. And uh, this is is partly because you're going to hear about games from them later on as we continue going through these these awards. But (laughs) it's also the stuff that I haven't even touched there's there's a ton of amazing amazing quality games that everyone who's playing them is absolutely loving them and it's not just one type of game either like when they first came on the scene i go okay this is going to be your wheelhouse this is going to be it okay but as time has gone by they've picked up a bunch of other types of games and other titles and i think that's what really edged them out to me like i said it was neck and neck with plat hat but cool mini or not these guys have done all sorts of crazy things. Like it used to be when all they were doing was uh zombie side and Arcadia mm-hmm. quest. I go, okay, this is their thing. It's going to be a lot of really cool plastic. It's going to be kind of arena <laughs> game. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was, I think one of the first podcasts I jumped on was because of one of the versions of zombie side that was coming out. And I was like, do you see the miniatures on this thing? And you're like, yeah, that, the miniatures. that's what cool mini does. <laughs> And right. and don't get me wrong at all, those games are really good at what they do. But they're they're you know, for a while there, that was it. If you liked those games, Cool Mini or not was the greatest company in the world. And if you didn't, they didn't really have anything for you. But this year, with picking up games like Xenoshift and The Grizzled and uh Queen's Necklace and some of the other stuff they've got, um man, they have just been having a lot of amazing pickups and uh like i said you're gonna hear me talk about their games further down the list as well (laughs) yes indeed all right this is always the interesting one favorite franchise game so i think i might i might surprise you on this before we jump into it i do want to explain franchise game because this one's a little bit more esoteric as far as category name true good point franchise games for us and we've, we've gone back and forth on what to label this category but it's a combination of either uh, games that involve some kind of license. Uh, like, we got really excited when they started announcing things like Portal and, yeah. you know, Ghostbusters and Godfather, even though the Godfather game basically left me flat. But We won't talk about Yeah, but there are, there are games that involve some kind of license. Uh, but it's more than that, too, because it's also games that have kind of built up their own kind of legacy, I guess. We just kind of mentioned it, and since neither one of us picked this, uh, we'll, I'll use this as my example. Uh, you could argue that Tail Feathers is a franchise game, because it's built right. off of what Mice and Mystics is doing. So it's building off of another set of games from the company. So it's a franchise game. So... This is something, either a licensed game or something that's built off of a previous game uh, that has really caught our eye. And that's what we mean by, that's what we mean by franchise game. Well explained, Mike. So, so you're surprising me is what you're saying. 
potentially. I mean, I already ruined it. I already spoiled it for you when we got on the podcast before this. But um, so I'm going to go with something that uh, will help kind of define some of the listeners out there. Um, you know, you may be on the right side or the wrong side of 35 when I say the uh, the word the phrase "Thunderbirds go." <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, basically what's happened here is that it's 50 years since this cult hit TV show came out. And when I say Thunderbirds Go, if you're picturing crazy marionettes and and weird set pieces and pseudo-futuristic 60s future type stuff, then you're on the right track. Um, It's uh, it's it's basically it's based on this TV show that was out, you know, 50 some years ago, but, you know, obviously hit syndication. So you're seeing it on different channels, you know, like Nickelodeon or whatever. Um, But it's based on this group of uh, um, of of heroes called International Rescue. And it's a secret organization committed to saving human life, secretly founded and funded by the millionaire Tracy family. And the motto is never give in at any cost. That's. It's just a whole bunch of tomfoolery and nonsense. I mean, each each of the Tracy family has their own particular Thunderbird or special vehicle that they fly, you know, like a hypersonic rocket or a single-stage vertical launch spacecraft. You know, I mean, it's just all sorts of crazy stuff that they have available. And they're always fighting against these uh, you know, these ne'er-do-wells uh, called the Hood. Um, you know, the Hood before it was the Hood. You know, now it's just, you know, this bad guy, a uh, criminal mastermind group. But um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a cooperative game. I haven't had a chance to play it, but I read a few things about it. Um, it's uh, what's cool is that it's for ages ten and up, so you can have some of the younger kids there. Uh, it's one to four players. Takes about a roughly an hour. But it's a again, it's a cooperative uh, cooperative game. Uh, it comes with a board map, uh, various decks of cards, and different schemes that the hood can put up against you. Um, you get uh, let's see here. I was, <laughs> I was looking at a couple of cool items here. Is that um, the 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 bric-a-brac that comes with this particular set piece is really awesome because it totally has the same art style and and scheme of the old cartoon. So, um, so yeah, so it kind of evokes some nostalgia. Um, it it uh, has a nice little cooperative aspect to it. So you're up against the the hood or the baddies. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of like a pick up and deliver storytelling type game. Um, so yeah, there's, there's my pick. <laughs> my weird fascination with marionettes has been outed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really curious about Thunderbirds. I was really excited when the the Kickstarter happened cause Matt Leacock's behind that and Matt Leacock yeah. does not make bad games. Yeah. Uh, he named a, he did a couple of good games. I think. I yeah. Just a few. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if that particular one is going to be what I want it to be. I'm worried that it might be the same thing like the Firefly game would be for me. Like, I really wanted to yeah. love the Firefly game. You don't you don't, you don't, want to make yourself do it. Right. I, I, I was a brown coat through and through. I still am. And uh, I remember when I got really excited when the Firefly game came out. And then I looked and I go, wow, this is a really long, drawn-out pick-up-and-deliver game. And I don't like pick-up-and-deliver games. So uh, yeah. I don't know if, if that's going to hit me, but for nostalgia factor alone, I, I completely mm-hmm. understand why that was there. <laughs> All right, so over to you, my friend. What do you have? I'm not going to lie. Nostalgia might have played a little bit as to why I picked this one as well. That and I am a sucker. I 
it's I have wanted to get into some kind of miniatures gaming for a long, long time. But the problem with most of it is is that what you get in a box is barely entertaining at all. Most of the miniatures mm. wargaming is an investment. And not only do you have to have an investment to get your army, you have to convince somebody else to make an equal level of investment to get their army. And then you got to paint because no one... No, you, you can't play with an unpainted army. That's just that's just not done. And and so all of this went together to said I I just don't want to do miniatures combat. And then they started making Star Wars miniatures that were fully painted. Stand back. And then they said, oh, we're gonna do whole fleet combat. <laughs> and I yeah I Armada Star Wars Armada. Mm-hmm. Is my favorite my favorite fl- franchise game of this year, without doubt. <laughs> Armada is amazing. Like everybody's excited about seeing the ships in the new movie that's coming out literally like days from now, and and yeah. I'm just excited as well. Even though sadly I'm probably not going to get to see the movie opening weekend, but yeah, I'm but promise I promise you I will be watching it because it's Star Wars. And the idea of being able to be in charge of some of the biggest, baddest, craziest ships in all of Star Wars, while being able to, at the same time, have a squadron of X-Wings with Luke Skywalker piloting and all that stuff. Like, how how can you not get excited about this? The fact that there was one time I was playing with my brother and I led out my Victory Class Star Destroyer with Grand Moff Tarkin at the helm... And and I got to just I got to say those things. I got to say that I was doing those things. <laughs> this game this so game good. made me happy. It showed up on my top ten of the collection. Granted it was number ten, but it got in there. Seeing as I just got it this year, the fact that it's already number ten tells you something. Right. It is oh such a good game. If you've ever wanted to play any kind of large scale miniatures combat but don't want to like granted, I will probably be buying a lot of the stuff they just released wave 2 of the expansion ships. I will probably be getting some at some point, but I will tell you that it is a very fun, very entertaining play even just out of the core box. And if while playing, you're not singing that song that uh, you know, while they're running away from the first death star and the tie fighters are swarming in and you're not like sitting back there humming dun 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 Da, 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 da. I mean, um, come on. I, you don't have a heart. I, I may have purchased a three foot by three foot Starfield playmat just for this game. Oh, I'm, I'm, that That's just a thing that happened. <laughs> All right. Do you have any, any honorable mentions? Because I've got a couple on this one. Oh, man. Well... No, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hold back because there's, there was a couple of, uh, um, items that I want. Well, I'll throw it out there. I'll throw it out there. Um, Force and Destiny from Star Wars. It's an RPG. It's built off of the Age of Rebellion game set and game piece that came out, um, I think it was last year. It's just building on a really solid rule set for a Star Wars RPG. Um, taking the idea of going away from like the standard D20s and stuff like that and going with a system of dice and... Uh, advantages and disadvantages and triumphs and dark side points and all that stuff mixed together it's a real nice organic flow that it, it's interesting because it balances not only having great narrative but 
a lot of rules that you could almost say could be intrusive if they didn't contribute to the narrative, which is kind of ironic. But uh, but yeah, I'll I'll pause there. We already did up some Star Wars, but uh, so what do you got? What do you got for honorable mention? Well, I I couldn't do this without because last year when we did this, it was still Luke and I, and I actually had to double back and edit myself because I had said that XCOM was my favorite franchise game, and I had to double back because XCOM got delayed and it didn't end up getting released last year. It ended up getting released beginning of this year, so there's no way I can't mention it. Because XCOM is a brutal, brutal game. I have yet to win it. Um, Quite frankly, there are times when I wonder if it can be won. You are basically playing... I would say that this is a game that is best with the full company of four people. Uh, It has the companion app that's yelling at you what to do and how long to do it. You have seconds sometimes to make a decision... And no pressure. And it it's very it goes this very intense moment, but then it does it's not just constant intense, like you can't maintain that for any length of time. Like there's a reason why games like Escape from the Hidden Temple is ten minutes. Because any longer than that and you're like, What the heck am I doing? This gives a little bit more of an experience because after you have that brief period of, of holy crap, everything's moving too quickly and I have only seconds to make a decision. It does when you do the resolution, it does slow down. It gives you time to reflect on what's happening and kind of before you hit that that next round play button, you can kind of plan out, okay, we need to take care of this and we need to make sure this guy gets new soldiers. That kind of thing. At the same point, part of the reason it's so brutal is because those dice are absolutely unforgiving. Uh yeah. Yeah, there are so many times when you can have everything laid out perfectly, as best as you can, and those dice still come up blank across the board, and you're screwed. But (laughs) one thing that I loved about it was that the second... we, We got utterly destroyed the first game we played, but all the guys I was playing it with, every one of us was like, no, no, we're doing this again. This is our Everest we are taking this down. Yeah, we still haven't. But it, the fact that even though we can't win, we still love going back mm-hmm. and doing it. That's awesome. Uh, I do also want to mention it just came out. I, I literally have not even seen the cards other than pictures that other people have put out. Mark from Board Game Corner put out a thing about it. And uh, he put out a picture on his Twitter about it. And I got really excited because I needed to ask him what it was. And and how I could get it myself. Um, not that long ago, they did the Pathfinder <laughs> Adventure Card Game, and I remember right. I remember I was excited about it. It was entertaining, but I'm like, I if I wanted to play Pathfinder, I'd just play Pathfinder. Like I right. don't want to. And you were already in the midst of the play. Yeah, post anyway, I'm like, so, I don't I don't yeah. want to play a card game of that. Right. So I thought, you know, if it was something else, if it was something that I I didn't have ready access to in in its original format, maybe then. Well. Apparently they listened because Warhammer Quest came out and Warhammer is set in, I believe it's the fantasy Warhammer world. And yeah. while I love the the narrative of Warhammer, I love the crazy world, I've never even thought of playing a Warhammer game because those are miniatures and as we've said on multiple occasions before, Games Workshop hates you and yeah. I, I can't even begin to, to kind of throw money at that game 
So the idea of being able to appreciate that world, engage in that story without having to go neck deep into miniatures gaming got me really excited. I don't know anything about how it plays other than I've heard good things, but I couldn't not mention it because for a guy who's wanted to get into Warhammer but had no desire to get into the minis of Warhammer, it seemed like a really exciting option. And you know what? I mean, for me, like the way to get into Warhammer was to read some of the novels, you know, um, pick up a couple of RPG books here and there, you know, like the uh, the Dark Heresy books. Great reads, great potential for an RPG. But yeah, just I would like to get into that kind of a game set. And this card game is giving you that opportunity to do that without having to out, you know, shell out 500, 600, 800, however many dollars to get into it. But um, I'll make I'll make one side note on XCOM and that the way that game plays is how the original Independence Day should have gone down. <laughs> and I say that because the new Independence Day trailer just recently dropped and kind of t- scratched that itch a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we won't get into that. That's a whole other. <laughs> no, that's no, a whole no, no, other no. set of podcasts right there. Whole other thing. Whole other thing. I just thought I'd throw it All out. All right. Moving, moving along, sir. We're going to get now into a handful of, of categories that we wanted to put in there, uh, partly due to the fact that I think that it was woefully lacking in previous years, partly because we actually asked for recommendations and you guys gave us a couple, and partly because, well, this is Jeff's first time doing this, so I wanted to make sure he had an option to kind of throw in some stuff that he'd want to talk about. <laughs> so the first one we're going to do is like a hidden gem. Uh, something that generally no one talked about, or, or at least we didn't hear them talking about it. Uh, it. It wasn't something that was on the radar in our circles, but once we got a hold of it, we're just like, oh my goodness, I need to be playing this. Right. Well, you know, I was kind of looking around on the net for this one when you were talking about the category and everything, and I was like, you know, there was a couple of games that came across my uh, Facebook feed. That looked pretty interesting, so I wanted to dive in, take a look. There's one that has been on my mind for a long time, and we can talk about that as time allows. But I'll dump, I'll jump into this first one here. It's uh, Shakespeare. It's uh, it's by I'm going to pronounce the designer's name horribly, but Hervé Regal at uh, Starry Games, Starry Games. In any case, it's a one to four player. It's a strategy game. But it, the premise of this is really cool. So let me, I'll, I'll just kind of read a little bit of the summary here real quick. The theaters of London are abuzz. In one week, Her Majesty the Queen will attend their new shows and will grant her support to one of the troops. It's the chance of a lifetime for the young authors who are inflaming the populace with ever more audacious and motley plays. But how do you create a masterpiece in such a short time? So like right there, the premise kind of grabbed me. Right. Because now you're going to be in charge of putting together, you know, gathering the groups of actors, gathering costumes and and, uh, set dressers, handymen, jewelry, assistants, all that stuff in order to try and impress the queen. And it it really struck me as a unique way to work on strategy. Yeah, you're kind of dealing with resources. Yeah, you're kind of dealing with time management and all that stuff. But the the overall feel of it, the tone of it shifts completely because of the subject matter. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of a nice little hidden away gem, you know, in the midst of me looking at things like, you know, Champions of Midgard and, you know, some a couple of steampunk games that came out. And all of a sudden I found this one little one. I was like, oh, this actually sounds really interesting and intriguing. So, yeah, 
I'll throw that out there as a hidden gem. All right. Mine, if you've ever listened to a podcast of ours post Gen Con, you know what mine is because I literally called it this every time I mentioned it. It's the Grizzled. It's the first of the <laughs> of the previously mentioned games from Cool Mini or not that you're going to hear about from me. The Grizzled is a card game where you're playing as World War One trench fighters, but it's not about the fighting. It's about just building each other up and mentally supporting each other so you can get to a you know a place of peace and not just leave a shadow of your former self. Uh, this game has caused me. It's been referenced in two articles that I've written for the site in the second half of this year. It is an amazing, amazing title. Everybody who played it at Gen Con had the same thing. There was the first reaction was, what the heck is this? I've never heard of it. And the second was, oh my goodness, I need to own this and tell everyone about it. <laughs> there, it, it couldn't be anything else for me other than this game because... It came out of nowhere. It was it was nothing like I was expecting from Cool Mini or not. It's why Cool Mini got my my publisher of the year because I was not expecting any if anything like the Grizzled to come out of there out of their kind of stable right. of games. Right. And oh my goodness, I I love this game. I love talking about this game. It's a game that I reference whenever anybody tries to uh, talk to me about what can games do and why I think games are not only fun but can be important the grizzled is one that i'll cite that's an excellent choice definitely all right do you have any honorable mentions on this one i'll throw a brief one out there it's um rpg related go figure it's it's a couple of new releases that came out for a system called shadows of estrin uh from agate rpg um it's a french-based company um there was a kickstarter a couple years back to translate the uh, shadows of estrin uh, system into english but it's a it's a great little indie RPG. Um, it kind of brings you back to that kind of Beowulf slash medieval type feel, where you know magic is massively dangerous. You know things hidden beyond civilization, where you're trying to like maintain your civilization and not let the things out in the darker woods encroach upon that. Um, and it really drives a great character creation system. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the the skills and feats that are there are built in a new way that I think really uh, provides more narrative possibilities for the characters. Um, so I've, I've played it once, I've researched the system, and who knows, maybe in 2016 we might see a demo of it. But uh, yeah, that one kind of had a brief honorable mention from me. Excellent. All right, the next new one is, uh, this was one that you recommended, and uh, I hadn't yeah. thought of it, but it is something that should be talked about. Uh, kind of explain explain the category that you came up with. Okay, so I threw out their favorite game resource, and it can it can take a couple of a couple of facets here uh, to the to the category. One is like where do you go when you want to learn more about you know board games, RPGs, that sort of thing, and you just want to know a little bit more about that said game so that you can decide okay, yeah, I want to buy it or not. Obviously, one of those resources will be us. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> Clearly, um, we're the but, winners. Uh, you get... <laughs> We're totally the winner, so I didn't want to like spoil it, but here it is. But no, you know, you know, stuff like you know, like the Dice Tower, Board Game Geek is a great resource. You know, we've got so many out there that that really kind of give you the information you need to make an educated purchase. Um, 
and, and also just learn about the industry as a whole. For me, just because I do a lot of game mastering for role-playing games, my the, the other facet that I looked at was, where's my go-to when I'm stuck for information? You know, I, I, I need to know about something, and I, I need to kind of throw this at the characters, and I've got two days to prepare, or I've got two hours, or worse, I've got two minutes to prepare. Where do I go? And um, I, I, I picked a company that puts out a lot of good pay material, but they also put a lot of great free resource material out there. Um, they do it in the form of different online articles, that sort of thing. they got a couple of great authors out there. Um, they created one of my favorite, um, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, adventures for an RPG ever. And I'll go with Raging Swan. Um, you can go and visit them. I have a link in the tavern, but it's uh, RagingSwan.com. And you can take a look at some of the materials that they put out there. And there's a section on the website that's uh, just dedicated to free resources. And it has just a bunch of really great articles. Like, here's a couple of things you can put in there. Um, Ten more things to say when a PC makes a perception check and finds nothing. So <laughs> you've got your PCs are paranoid about something and they make a perception check and they get a 5 or a 10 or whatever, but you still want to give them something, either to keep them paranoid or whatever. Great stuff. Um, here's, an <laughs> here's another one. 20 things to say when a PC searches for a trap and finds nothing. So, <laughs> so lots of fun. Uh, the material out there is really great. Um, yeah, we, there's there's a there's a fellow over there that does some really good writing, um, kind of at the core of some of the stuff that gets put out there, uh, named Creighton, or, um, uh, Creighton Broadhurst, uh, does some really great stuff. He's really a, a accessible on Facebook as well, so been able to kind of chat back and forth with him. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I envision the category coming from. So. What do you think? What's, what's something that kind of fits that category for you? Well, I, I would say there's a lot I could go with, um, especially because it's a new category. So there's a lot of stuff that's been around that I could just say just because we haven't had a category. Right. But as far as, as game resource, I, I would say that probably I could list any number of things. So I'm just going to make a blanket statement and just have that cover everything that came out this year. The folks at, at Monty Cook Games, everything they're doing with Numenera believe the ninth world guidebook was this year that resource alone if you even kind of play numenera or the strange or really anything because i mean granted it's set in the ninth world but you could pretty much take that and tweak it and put it anywhere you want that the ninth world guidebook is like hundreds and hundreds of incredibly gorgeously illustrated fluff text and that's a great description. no it is it. you really don't need any of it to run this game but it is hundreds and hundreds of pages of setting and people and awesome and and yeah. so yeah i don't need i think i i just got it on pdf because they i i hit a very fortunate sale but yeah. there's part of me that's upset that I have it as PDF and not a hard book because it's that gorgeous. You want to be able to thumb, right. And, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah, I can't not say that, but that's only one of the things they came out with. I'm convinced that Monty Cook is on a personal campaign to ruin me and take all my money. <laughs> when he comes out with a, a book resource called bankruptcy, then you'll know for sure. They just did a Kickstarter for a, deck building game set in the ninth world i i can't win i no. can't win no no 
No, I didn't hear that. I'm going to go ahead and edit that out of my brain. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more new one, and then we'll go. We'll double back to the last couple old ones that we've done before. Uh, this new sure. one was actually recommended when I, I put out on the Board Game Geek Guild. Uh, I said, "Hey, we're looking for recommendations, and what what did you guys want to talk about?" And uh, T.R. Knight, who, by the way, has a brand new kind of monthly article that's gonna that has started out, and we're gonna get the, the next one coming up beginning of next month is the first official thing called Cyclopedia, and it's yeah. basically going to be just a go-to resource for if you're role playing, then then stuff to help you put role playing stuff together, even if you're just a board game designer, because T.R. actually is a freelance uh, editor and he works with a bunch of companies as well. So he actually has insight as to how to, to produce theme for game, just, just game design. And yeah. so his stuff is going to be a one-stop resource for all sorts of stuff that you can, can use in your games and game design. Uh, so yeah, that is, that's, that's huge. And TR recommended that we do a favorite game industry person. I'm going to expand on that a little bit because we have a lot of people who listen to us who are only just getting into the hobby or are in ministry and don't know a lot of the stuff behind the scenes in the hobby. So I do want to put it so it's designers, writers, artists, that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to expand it a little bit to other games media people. The people who are creating either YouTube stuff or blogs or any any kind of content that talks about games, other podcasts, and uh, just somebody who's doing awesome stuff that we want to talk about, especially something that somebody who did something really awesome this year. So, right. so Jeff, who's your favorite industry slash gaming media person? <laughs> There's so many. There, there are I mean, a you lot. Could, you could talk. You, I mean, you could jump over to like um, Andrew over at uh, Don Forge Cast. You could uh, um, you could jump over to some of the stuff they're doing over at Roleplay with Itme JP, and then you can come back and and you can start talking about folks like you know with Dice Tower that sort of thing. But for me, I, I already kind of dropped the name earlier, but I'll go with Creighton Broadhurst over at Raging Swan, um, just because he's got a great feel for what folks need as a quick resource, but also some of the more in-depth resources. So I was talking about some of those joke art. Well, I don't want to call them joke articles, but the articles that it's just like, you want to keep feeding the monkey, you know, you want to keep the players guessing, that sort of stuff. But he also has like more in-depth, uh, in-depth articles that, uh, that get uh, involved with anything from more deep-seated RPG play, you know, like, um, things like, you know, how do people survive in medieval times during the winter? Or, you know, how do you actually put together some of this other material, you know, it, it, given whatever supplies you have on hand maps map connections that's even (laughs) even awesome too but some of the adventure stuff that he's authored uh, has really been great for my gaming experience just simply because i'm able to translate it like you were talking about uh, the ninth world material you can really translate the material out to other games and i think that's the mark of good good gaming material is that it's 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 something that you can port you can port over to something and it's something that you want to port over to something um i'll cite uh, an adventure called retribution uh which has kind of like a a really um I don't want to call it dark and gritty, but it has kind of that uh, name of the rose feel. It has a mystery. There's 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 a murder mystery that's involved, and you're trying to find out who's terrorizing a a priory out in the outskirts of this small small group uh, small country called the Lonely Coast. 
and even that right there, the Lonely Coast, the source material that he put together for that is just fantastic. There's all these little towns, there's great history, but it's all portable. You can change it up and say, oh, I'd like to borrow this from my town, or I'd like to borrow that. And he talks to you, how, talks about how to do that. Um, so it's great to see him go into the idea of writing with the idea of making it very flexible and very usable. So... Yeah, that's, for me, kind of the mark of a great author is, uh, in, in the gaming industry, especially role-playing games, is giving you that ability. So, yeah, Creighton Broadhurst, there you go. All right, I, I'm going to go into the, the media category, and mostly this is, it's partly just personal because I got to meet one of them, and it's also because it's so close to what we do, I couldn't not you know, kind of give them a shout out because they've actually given us a shout out a couple times. And every time they do, there's this huge spike in people who come to see us. I love the fact it's going to be a tie because I can't give it to one or the other. Cause it's both of them. I'm going to give it to Sam Healy and Dan King, uh, for reinvigorating the dice steeple. Nice. The dice steeple, for those of you who don't know, it's actually under the auspices of the dice tower network. It is a podcast about Christian spirituality and gaming kind of like us and they bring just a lot of awesomeness to it because not only are they both awesome guys not only do they have a lot of great gaming experience they're both really solid reviewers they also have because they're tied well dan has now broken off into doing his own kind of thing but he's still very much a part of of what those guys do and he's a very solid name in in gaming media those guys work the connections that they've been building over the past, you know, years of doing this and are bringing in a lot of awesome stuff. Their job is really to bridge that gap between people who are of faith and people who aren't and and bring that into a conversation. Like we're very very much a Christian podcast. You can't get away from the fact that we are. We like to think that right. that we're entertaining for people who even if if you don't share our faith, you'd like to hear us talk, but Come the second half of the podcast, we go full on in. These guys are doing something really cool. Like one of the things that was my favorite thing that they did this year was they got Bruno Faduti shortly after he basically wrote a blog post that said, you can't be a Christian and like games. And they said, all right, you want to come on and talk about that? And so that that kind of stuff is awesome. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to do in in the future with that. Like I said, I got to meet Sam at Gen Con this year. I hope to meet Dan sometime eventually because they both seem like really awesome guys. And uh, I was really bummed because Sam actually got on got to me on Twitter and said, are you going to be at BGG Con? And I said, no. But I, I really love what those guys are doing. Really excited to do more with them. And I'm not just saying that because I was the last interview that the Dice Steeple had on before they took over. And I'd love to go back on. <laughs> I'm not just saying that. This is not just pandering. It's no. not just pandering. It's kind no. of pandering, but not just. 20%. At, at least 30%. But <laughs> Okay, 30. But yeah. no, those guys are doing really awesome stuff, and I couldn't not talk about them. Yeah, no, that's an excellent choice. Definitely. All right, we're going to go back to an oldie but goodie. Before we go to the, the big old game of the year, uh, we did want to throw out, we've done it in the past, and we're going to do it again. We do want to give a shout out to video games because, you know, even though we are a tabletop gaming podcast, we a lot of us do play video games, so we couldn't not talk about it at all. So favorite video game, Jeff, go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with something that has the feel of an oldie. And it's definitely a goodie. 
but it's brand new, uh, relatively new. It's this year. Um, it's called Undertale. Oh. And surprise, surprise, it's an RPG game, but it's it's a video game. Yeah, definitely. it's not like any RPG um, game that you're going to be used to. No, definitely not. Especially when you see the 16-bit graphics. Um, it's it's text format, so there's not there's no voice actors or anything like that. So you have to kind of bring your imagination back up to the forefront. Um, you are. <laughs> it has some of the same kind of opening cinematic stuff, like the cliches that you'll have, where you know you awake in a mysterious world and must embark upon a journey in the hopes of returning to your normal life. And you hear that quite a bit, right? But in this particular game, what's kind of nice is that instead of taking that whole heavy-handed approach trying to teach you the basics, Undertale kind of goes, goes the, uh, it runs the gamut at the beginning of trying to bring you up in this world, this, this mysterious world that you, your character has found, found him or herself waking up in. And it, it, it encourages you to interact with all of the different NPCs. A lot of times with these games, you just kind of race by and kind of get to your goal and you want to get your mission done. But in this case, you're really encouraged to talk with them. And at the onset, just to kind of give you a quick vignette, at the onset, you are, you, you're, you wake up in the darkness you're, and you're beset upon by a talking You're going to talk about Flowey, yeah. Yeah, Flowey. And Flowey seems so sweet at the beginning and so nice and says, oh, well, let me talk with you. And I just want to teach you about the LV and, and what that means. To give you a visual, think like Walt Disney, happy face Daisy. Yeah, perfect. Totally perfect. And so they're just, you know, it's just fluffy and happy. And you're like, okay, tell me a little bit about what you want to, what you, I should learn and what I should look for in this world. And they tell you, you know, the flower tells you that, you, you know, flower wants you to learn about love and about taking in love and things turn on their ear. <laughs> then, then he wants that. to eat and your face. <laughs> he wants to eat your face. Flowey goes from a happy face to an angry face. And it's it's kind of interesting because you you need to be very perceptive in this game, and because you need to kind of look beyond the fact that there's not really high levels of graphics here, you need to like read the text and get a feel for where you are and get a feel for the nuances of the game. It makes it so deep and so much fun. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely throwing that out there as a great game. It's not exceedingly lengthy, it's not exceedingly difficult, but it's exceedingly involved, which is what I love about a good RPG game. Yeah, I, I was upset. I had the opportunity to potentially write about Undertale for Game Church for their end of the year thing, but I just hadn't had a chance to really dig into it yet, and I didn't want to write about it having not really gotten into it yet. But right. man, it is a solid experience. <laughs> it's definitely a lot of fun. Turning it to you, man. Come on, hit me. Mine is actually kind of tangentially related to tabletop. It is a game that was originally I don't remember if it was if it started out as the mini game or if it was in a, a story and it was just so silly that they made it a game. I don't know what the <laughs> origin of this was. But basically, somebody at Games Workshop asked the question, what if, instead of going to war, all of these people played American football? And, yes. And, and you could kill each other while playing American football. And, and the football has spikes on it. Yeah, and, and you have things like there's a dwarf uh, character who drives a steamroller. 
with spikes on it. <laughs> uh, it it's it's Blood Bowl too. Yeah, I the, I'm very thankful that Blood Bowl has as a game, the tabletop game has fallen away. Because if you gave me the opportunity to buy a team of miniatures, if I could make the Inroads Dwarf Bards and have them on my table, I would. It would. It would be dangerous for my wallet. But yeah. thankfully, at least as of right now, it's an unsupported game. You'd have to spend near a fortune to even look at a game because no one sells them. Games Workshop isn't making them, and so I, I justify right. not buying it because of that. However, uh, because this game came out, and, and I, I played the first Blood Bowl game and got all its crazy expansions, I now have Blood Bowl 2. Blood Bowl 2, as far as the UI is concerned cleans up a lot of what I didn't like about the first version of the game and it's just awesome. It is crazy ridiculous football played with dwarves and orcs and and elves. I think there's like three different types of elf team. It's insane. And it is just a blast and I love the commentary that they put and it for once, it even has a really, really interesting solo campaign. Like, there are different challenges that you have to do. And it's nice. it's a really fun game. So if you have any love for the tabletop game, or if you just want to have an absolutely downright silly turn-based game where you alternate between running the football and killing your opponents, <laughs> Blood Bowl 2 is definitely worth a pickup. That's right. And especially in this time of the season when maybe your team might not be doing so well in the real American yeah. football. It's a great opportunity to, uh, I don't know, bring them back. My, my football team of choice, you know, hasn't had a, a Super Bowl contention since forever. They haven't had a win since before I was born. So <laughs> don't get me. Yeah, started. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> but I do have an honorable mention. I, I can't not mention Fallout 4. The reason Fallout 4 didn't do it for me is mostly because while it looks awesome, I don't have it yet because, you know, budget, but the reason it didn't quite make it is because, to me, I play Fallout for the role-playing aspect of Fallout. I want to give my guy a backstory. I want to understand why he has the skills that he has, and I want there to be an option where I just... To give you an, an, an example from a previous Fallout game, Fallout 3 had the option, one of the first towns you find has an unexploded nuclear bomb in the middle of it. You <laughs> have the option in Fallout 3 to go to one of the guys on the other side of the map who is this really wealthy, rich person and say, that person says, this, this place is a blight on the land. I want you to, to set off that bomb. So you have the option of going back into that town and setting off the bomb. And you actually, there's a, it, it's an amazing scene because you're actually at the, the uh, top of this, sky, this skyscraper apartment building and you're in the penthouse and you actually, they actually make you push the button to blow up Megaton. From what I've heard about Fallout 4, because they did away with the karma system... You can't really be that much of a bad guy. The only thing that you can do is make it so that certain groups don't like you. Like, there's no way to really be a horrible human being. Like, in New Vegas, you could join the Legion, which makes you basically the scum of the earth. 
And from what I've heard, they just they they've made it more shooter, less role playing game. And while it seems really interesting, and and I'm going to tell you what, since Fallout is my favorite franchise in video games, I even have things like Brotherhood of Steel, which is not a great game. But you have to have it. You're a completionist. I will probably have Fallout 4. I'll probably enjoy the heck out of Fallout 4, but it's not the Fallout experience I'm looking for, which is why it only got honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. I mean, it, with the past uh, the past iterations of the game, it had that depth like we were, I was talking about before was something as simple as a 16-bit game like Undertale. Um, you know, it has that kind of depth. I mean, obviously you're not building a character in such the same kind of fashion, but yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you on that Fallout 4 thing. It looks spectacular. It looks like a fun game, and definitely if I had the the system to play it, I definitely would. Oh, I but, uh, at some point I want to play it just because I love the idea of being able to look at a collection of power armors that makes me feel like Iron Man, like Tony Stark looking over his Iron Man suits. Nice. Like, I want nice. that, but it's just, yeah, it's not... There's nothing wrong with that. It's not my Fallout, is what I'm saying. Gotcha. So moving on, this is obviously this is going to be a longer episode because of the fact that it's the end of the year, but I do kind of want to make sure we're continuing to plug along. And here's the big one. This is our favorite game of the year. This is a, a game that came out this year, whether we've played it or not, or we're just researching and, and just watching the impact that it's had. This is something that really, really caught our attention that's out there that came out this year. So Jeff, what right. what's yours for this? Oh, we already mentioned the game earlier. It, it's so difficult for me not to mention it as as the game of the year for me because of the mechanics, because of the potential expansion, and the kind of expansion that makes sense for a game like this. It has to be Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born. Um, <laughs> as it was my favorite game that I played. I, I do try to vary game I played versus game of the year. They're not right, and I, I know I know you weren't going in that direction because I know where you're going, and I totally dig where you're going with that. But yeah, just it again, you know, me kind of breaking into the game industry this year, uh, trying to find the different types of games I want to play, um, running off your suggestions, running off suggestions from the tavern, that sort of stuff. And thanks, guys, out there for for making some great suggestions for games. Um, yeah, Ashes just like really grabbed hold of me, and and, it, and I haven't even bought the game yet. I'm going to be buying the game in 2016. I already have the plan to do it, but it was just playing it digitally over tabletop simulator that that even grabbed me. And it's just again, we talked about it before. I won't go into too much depth. Obviously, want to kind of save a bit of time here, but it's just it's a fun game. It's strategic. It's it's varied. The different characters you get to play, the different styles you get to play. It's just too much fun, not not to be my game of the year. So, I'll 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 put a period there and pass it over to you. My game of the year, which I mentioned that City of Remnant was in number one. This is a game that took City of Remnant out of the number one seat. Pretty crazy because you talked about City of Remnant. A City lot of Remnant. City of Remnant year. was my favorite one now for three years. It it held the number one spot. Yep. This this unseated it. This is a game, I am such a mythology nerd, <laughs> I could tell you all of the, the legends and stories that this game is built around before I even touch the game. This particular pantheon of mythology is my favorite without doubt. It is Blood Rage. 
Yeah. Blood Rage. I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. You are basically a clan of Vikings in the midst of Ragnarok as the world is being destroyed. You are fighting that last battle for, for honor and glory to ride into Valhalla. The reason it took number one spot, one, is the theme. Two, it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit... It, I won't say it's heavy by any means, but it is a solid like medium weight game that is still readily accessible. And so I love that. Uh, I also think that it's one of the, the, one of the things that I love city of remnant for, and it's also in this game, it's the idea that there's so much going on that you wouldn't think that it's all going to work out together. And you wouldn't think that it, it would play well together. But the way they've they've built this game, it all works amazingly well. Eric Lang did a phenomenal job designing this. And I don't know who was responsible for sculpting the miniatures of this game, but Cool Mini did a fantastic job of building these miniatures. And uh, there are so many times... like I, I've never really gotten super excited about the idea of painting miniatures. I want to paint my my blood rage miniatures so bad just because they're they're that pretty yeah they are excellent looking and true to form in the mike doesn't want to have any money all of the initial run of expansions that uh, that brings in a fifth clan that brings in mystics that actually brings in the gods to have direct impact on the on the the land itself and the people you have in each region oh my goodness I I will at some point have all of them because yeah this game is my number one, it is number one of the year and number one in my heart. <laughs> Aww, I I love this game so much and yeah I'm gonna stop there just because I could gush about this. I'm so there are times <laughs> when I'm so bitter that I didn't get in on the Kickstarter, but I didn't have the money when the Kickstarter happened because right. I'm still I'm still a little bitter about the fact that the one thing that if there's any complaint that people have about cool many, it's that they run Kickstarters and there are so many exclusives. And the yeah. fact that Fenrir is a Kickstarter exclusive. Ah, oh, it hurts me. A crazy. Will it wolf. hurts me a little bit, but, uh, but no, I, I can't say enough good things about the game. It brings drafting and, troop management and and making sure that you have all your statistics built up the way you need to in order to get enough points uh it's you know do the quests to to build up piles of points you have different strategies do you go for military victories do you go for guys coming in and out of valhalla giving you points do you there's a lot oh so much stuff that is just beautifully put together in this not excessively long game i love it mike mike yes mike. You're, you're gushing. I, I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. It's so pretty. It is. All right, guys. Like we said at the beginning of this, this is just our opinion. We have games that we love. We have you know, people in the industry that we love. We have stuff that, that is you know, in our wheelhouse, but there's so much other stuff going on there. Right. There is this whole world of stuff that we don't get to touch just because... Either it's not our thing or like I know for me, there are games that I want to play much more than I do uh, simply because of the fact that I'm still building the gaming community around me. 
there really isn't one and I'm building that. So it's hard for me to get the really heavy stuff out. Like I couldn't even dream of playing TI3 even if I wanted to. I can't even get it I can't Man. even get Eclipse to the table, let alone the bigger stuff. So all of that factors into how we choose this. So if you guys have something that you want, head to our BGG guild comment on that thread. We want to hear about other games that are out there. We want to hear what you guys are playing, what you guys like too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, Jeff, I think we'll wrap it up here. I will end just by saying, you know, get excited for our YouTube channel. Uh, Jeff just put out a a promo video for uh, stars without numbers, which I don't know if I'm even going to get to play in that game. My schedule's getting crazy as it is, but that just means more people out there can get into that game. Uh, that that's exciting because I've heard a lot of great things about that system. And 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 don't don't you worry, Mike, because we'll take we're gonna take this game in a little bit of a different direction than what we normally have done for Enroads plays. But more on that later. Yeah. So we've got that. We've got more of our Victoriana stuff coming out there. I'm finishing up my top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, I'll get that done before it's time to do another one for next year. Um, there's a lot of great stuff happening. Also, guys, by the time this is over, we're going to be wrapping up our, our you know one game for all campaign. But that doesn't mean the fact that we we don't still need your help. Uh, at the end of this year, uh, we're going to get really excited for the stuff that's happening in, in January and beyond. Uh, we really need your support. Um, we're really excited about stuff like Gen Con's happening in a in even a bigger way than it has in the past. Uh, but that means it has more costs and we need your help to get there. We're going to have all sorts of stuff that we're producing training materials and stuff like that. Um, we're going to put out the, the inroads core manual. I want to put out just a one sheet like PDF of things, uh, tips and tricks on how to use. Uh, and then we held hands to do uh, counseling with people there's all sorts of stuff that we want to put out, training materials that we can get to you guys, but in order to produce those in a way that you can get them, uh, we need your support. There's all sorts of stuff that we want to see happen. We have four game days on the calendar right now across three different churches, and that doesn't include Tavern Con, that doesn't include Extra Life. There's all sorts of stuff that is happening Uh we thank you guys who are supporting us right now. You guys have, have allowed us to do what we do. And the, our community is continuing to grow. But I hope if you're listening to this, you'll consider donating to Inroads. Click on the little donate button and uh, and consider doing that at the end of this year and in the beginning of the next year. Because without you guys, we're simply not going to be able to keep doing this. So... Mm-hmm. Really hope you and you know and if and if and if there's you know if 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 money is an issue then you know obviously your you know your your abilities you know whether you're an artist a writer I mean you know check out T R Knight Industries two thousand I mean he's jumping in and doing some writing for us um, if you want to do some stuff for our YouTube channel it, it, help is help um, but yeah you know that the stuff we have planned for next year it's going to come at a cost so we definitely need help. And- and just because of the fact that when this goes live, there will still be about a week before it, the campaign closes, uh, I will say that the Hypothetical Trees t-shirt uh, at Teespring <laughs> is still a thing. Um, I'll put a link when I post this to that campaign. Uh, I literally did that. I, I created that design just 
oddly enough, I did it just, even if no one but the players in our game get it, I wanted to make that a thing. But if you guys have watched our Victoriana game and you laughed as hard as we did uh, at <laughs> the Edna equation and and when uh, Brent's character, Dr. Loom, made a pass at Edna, the ogre chef, that t-shirt is still available. <laughs> Literally every penny we get from that t-shirt is going to help us continue to do the work into the new year. Yeah. yeah, guys, definitely keep listening as as we go into 2016 because we are really excited about the potential for what God's doing in this ministry, and we hope to continue to see it to grow. Amen to that. All right, that said, we're going to close this episode off. Uh, guys, Merry Christmas. Probably, well, I think we might, no, I think, if, I haven't looked at the calendar yet. We'll probably even be past the new year when you hear from us again. So... Guys, we look forward to seeing you in 2016. Always remember, God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.